0: Everyone wants mm. to get laid. <laughs> Everyone tries a lot of shit to get laid. You know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, That's true.
1: Transgressive or disruptive content of the script, was that something that drew
0: you to it?
2: Um, they weren't sort of shamed for being, for having sex with people, you know, it was a respectful art.
0: Because um, karma means pleasure in Sanskrit, so it was a deep exploration of pleasure.
2: It came mainly from this Western perspective and it sort of... Hypersexualized um, Indian woman and it exoticized Indian woman, and um, and that's not true. That's obviously just been taken out of context and it's Orientalized.
1: Kira, and welcome to Disruptors, a podcast produced by Basement Theatre in collaboration with REE News. This is a podcast where we talk to the artists that have been programmed at the Basement, who we admire, love, and recognize as artistic troublemakers. My name is Nathan Joe. Recent director of Yang 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 and curator of Dirty Passports. And I will be the guest host for this episode. Patra Lekika Productions, The Karma Sutra Chronicles, a brand new play by writer and director Shreya Bhagwat, tackling the taboo subject of sex in the South Asian community. The Karma Sutra Chronicles is a contemporary. New Zealand drama offering a glimpse into the inner workings of a Kiwi Indian couple whose marriage is falling apart. With me today from the Kama Sutra Chronicles team are cast members Jamishka Chetty and Dev Sherman. Hi, guys. Hi, Nathan. Hi, everyone. Can you each introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your involvement with the show?
2: Yeah, so my name is Jamishka Chetty. I'm one of the actors in the play um, and I play Ishita, who is the wife.
0: Hi. Uh, so I'm Dev. Um, I play the role of Rishab, who's the husband. That's all I have to say about that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: the title gives a lot away. But do you mind telling me what is the Kama Sutra Chronicles about?
0: Essentially, it's it's an exploration of um, a marriage, uh, a South Asian. Marriage and it 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 explores the uh struggles and difficulties they go through, and their their journey is to fix those and the Kama Sutra plays a huge role in that attempt
2: yeah, and just to add to that, the Kama Sutra is also a way to try and bring these two people together um and I think what's great about this play is that it's um and interpretation of the Kama Sutra from the inner workings of a couple rather than from, because usually you get this idea of, oh, it's just about sex and it's just erotic and it's just you know, how many poses do you know? Whereas this is more um, a personal kind of exploration within a married couple and, and it's about uh, it extends largely to how do people communicate about sex w- inside that, inside the domestic space. Um, yep. That's yeah.
1: really interesting to me. It kind of like demystifies the Orientalism around it, right? Yes. Yeah. Because
2: for me, um, growing up, the first time I heard about the Kama Sutra was, you know, it sort of projected onto me that I should know these poses. And it was because I grew up in a Western country, I grew up here and in South Africa. And it was about, it came mainly from this Western perspective. And it sort of hypersexualized um, Indian woman and it exoticized Indian woman. And um, and that's not true. That's obviously just been taken out of context and it's orientalized out something that is so um, so, so beautiful and significant part of our culture and our cultural identity. And yet through the years, it's been you know, seen as something taboo. But it's such a big um, and honest thing that we have learnt that comes from our culture. Like, for example, in Bharatanatyam, which is a classical dance... Like sort of links to the Kama Sutra where the women were courtesans and they were actually respected um, they weren't you know, sort of shamed for being for having sex with people you know it was a respectful art
1: How much did both of you know about the Kama Sutra before the play?
0: Um, I knew uh, a little bit about it I um, I knew it was more than poses I knew that it wasn't just poses I think it, I, it, it seemed to me like a deep exploration on pleasure because um karma means pleasure in sanskrit so it was a deep exploration of pleasure a very academic exploration of pleasure um my knowledge hasn't really expanded much since then <laughs> um i was asked specifically by the writer and the director not to read the Kama Sutra because rishabh is a pretty clueless person and i think that's um i'm gonna embody that <laughs> as soon as the show yeah. is
1: over do you think you're gonna do a deep di- yeah a deep dive 100
0: percent, absolutely um just, like, there's a few ex- ex- excerpts, is that how you say it? Yeah, from the Kama Sutra itself within our script, and they're very interesting and um, fascinating, and it's made me definitely curious cool. about
1: How about you, Jamishka? What's your experience with the Kama Sutra?
2: The first time I heard about the Kama Sutra, you're going to love this, Nathan, um, some white boys were like, mm, do you know Kama Sutra? Do you know <laughs> all the poses? They were trying to hit on me, and obviously it low-key worked, but... Um, <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We've all got our weaknesses. Let's yes,
2: we do. Yes, we do. But, I mean, I hate to say, I sometimes I feel ashamed to say that that was my first kind of connection with it because it, it comes from my culture, but yet I don't know anything about it um, because I'm sort of diaspora, more sort of more displaced uh, Indian growing up in South Africa, so my knowledge um, is less than what I would like it to be. But this is definitely—I mean—that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the play, and this has made me um, have a have a deeper appreciation for it. I think because, like you said, the excerpts reveal that it's more than about positions; it's about desire, and it's about intimacy, and it's about the art form, mm. rather than how much position do you know? Let's do this to get an orgasm.
1: So, how does your character come across the Kama Sutra?
2: She's at a at a breaking point in her relationship, and she's um, a book worm and she loves reading and she's seeking different books and she's looking for sort of help um, in books and she comes across the Kama Sutra because she is very curious about sex and so she one way for her to feel secure and to connect with the relationship is to find it in a book and so the Kama Sutra is the first kind of go-to that she reaches for Um, and she's always been curious about sex but because of the culture that she's grown up in, there's no expression or talk about it, so she's diverted her attention to a book.
1: I think that's very like relevant to this podcast, right, because I think the pursuit of pleasure is quite a transgressive thing. Mm. it's considered quite spicy and saucy and disruptive, so to speak yeah you know? is that what drew you to the project in the first place? both of you
0: um no <laughs> um i I'm I was looking for a play to do to be honest um, and um, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to audition for it but what I found really fascinating about this project for me personally was um, the character of Rishabh actually though, the role that I'm playing because uh, growing up in a deeply entrenched deeply entrenched in Indian culture I've seen a lot of men who behave exactly like Rishabh do and um, so I felt like Seeing those kind of uh, people throughout my life, um, I could add a lot of authenticity to this role, mm. and that really excited me. And um, also bring nuance to the role because I know they're not bad people; they're just trying to figure out <laughs> what's up mm. in a very well clueless manner. Yeah. Essentially, mm. yeah.
2: <clears throat> what was the question again? <laughs> That's
1: all right. Is the kind of transgressive or disruptive? content of the script was that something that drew you to it
2: yes definitely
1: because you've done many projects yourself that are kind of along this line or explore similar notions of sex Mm. in a south asian context yeah
2: yeah Yeah, and that's exactly what drew me to it because um it's it's coming from a a drama so it's a little bit different for me but one of the i think goals with the writer as well, is to show an Indian woman who has desires and who talks about sex and who wants sex and have it not be this kind of taboo thing or have it not be this weird thing. And I think it will be a little bit confronting for South Asian audiences particularly, but that idea is very appealing to me because, like I said, this is something that's a big part of um, South Asian culture. But the really ironic thing is we don't talk about sex mm. in our culture, and I found that so i don't know like it's ironic it's 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 you know because of colonization and i like when I googled it, Kama Sutra was written in two hundred BC and yet now in twenty twenty one you know Delhi, which is a a major city in India, is called the rape city. Mm. So to go from two hundred bc where where sex is celebrated yeah. to twenty twenty one where there are still women who are getting raped every day, for, you know, we, we can do something about it. And I think that's a great thing about disruptive storytelling. Um, you have the power to bring people closer together to, to humanity.
1: No, that's yeah. kind of amazing. Mm. I think it's very rare that we, are like, given the capacity or space to talk about these things, especially within the, like, the pan-Asian community, let alone the South Asian community, in like an honest and frank way, Like, it goes without saying that this play tackles a taboo subject in your community, but what makes it such a taboo subject?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think um, there's many reasons for it. I think you alluded to it a little bit with the um, colonization um, of the country um, in the 1800s. Yeah, that definitely played a huge role in it, but I also think that not just in Indian culture, but Eastern cultures throughout, there is this concept of... um, Abstinence or controlling your sexual energy in a way to use that energy in a more productive manner, um, where where the energy, yeah. So rather than just expelling mm. all of this energy throughout, you you use that energy for developing society or playing sports or anything productive. And in Indian culture, it's called brahmachari, where um, kids aren't allowed or like a, a human being isn't recommended to release their sperm until the age of 25, because that sperm is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, The concept concept is that sperm is what creates life, it's part of what creates life. And so it's a very valuable part of your human existence and you have to save that until it's the right time. I think there's a lot of value in that because it does. It's a very powerful force, isn't it? It's actually, everyone wants mm. to get laid. <laughs> everyone tries a lot of shit to get laid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Amen. That's true. Um, and so it's a, it's very strong energy, and sort of it's using that energy in a more productive manner. So that's where that concept comes from. However, like most other religions and other sort of like philosophies over the years, it's been misinterpreted, Ooh. and now it's repressed. It's not it's not about repressing sexuality it's about using that sexuality in a positive manner yeah. but what's happening in our society is, especially south asian societies over the last few years it's it's repressing that energy it's it's yeah. trying to think of it as a bad thing yeah. and that's caused i think a lot of issues
1: okay what conversations do you want the audiences to be having after they leave the show
2: mm. Well,
1: <laughs> we, <laughs>
0: you, can, you can answer this. <laughs> so
2: Shreya, who's the writer, yeah. um, who's the amazing <laughs> writer, said something so sweet. Um, she said she just wants the, the person in the audience to turn to their partner next to them and say, let's talk more. I want to show you more compassion. And instead of leaving the tea cold, I'm going to bring the tea over to you and accept it and show you that I love you.
1: That's beautiful. That is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really I actually right. had a tear in my eye. Yeah.
0: I was like, oh. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, if that happens, we'd be really happy. Wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. and if yeah. people
2: just have a conversation with each other about love and also about their desires and yeah. and about sex. I mean, yes, it is about sex, but at the core, it's about intimacy and connection and feeling valued and validated for who you are as a person, not for what you do or any of yeah. that other experience. It
1: external. reminds me of the notion that, every story is a love story, whether it's about another person or not, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. great. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if there was like a, one reason that made you want to be part of the project, what would it be? What was the reason? I,
2: be? Okay, so for me, it's this big scene that takes place. I don't, know if, can, I don't know if we can spoil, spoil, big spoil. Scene. It's a big scene. If you know me, Nathan, you know why.
1: <laughs> I'm sweating already.
2: <laughs> um, I won't reveal too much, but, Because I usually make a lot of confronting work and work that explores South Asian female sexuality. This scene, I think, is not just fun to do, but it's important for audiences to see. Um, And that's what drew me to the project. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. You can't
1: can't see this, but I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I kind of love that this play is part of a conversation which is about effectively making consent and communication sexy you know yeah that, that's really mm. cool and to making me. it
2: entertaining you know to to watch um <clears throat> because those are things that are really important in our culture and our community as well you know consent and not being repressed and so to see it play out in front of you i think will be good for people to watch they'll go on a, a journey for sure yeah that's for sure
0: yeah <laughs> cool yeah
1: what well, what makes you think? or why do you think theatre is such an effective medium to talk about these things, these you know, sex, culture, taboo things?
2: Because you cannot leave once you enter. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Pl- you can't push the pause button like you can on Netflix. Sorry.
1: You hear that, audiences? You're going to be locked
0: in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, they won't want to leave. No, that would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think um, theatre is a great, great medium. To express anything, yeah. um, but in terms of um, sex and sensuality and uh, these kind of factors, yeah, I think the the the, the confrontational aspect of it, and the um, that you can't, you have to watch this now. It's um, it, it's it's almost like a reflection, isn't it? Like all works of art are a reflection of society and human behavior. This one specifically seems to be right on in that alley, and um, I think a lot of people would be able to find some connection and relatability while watching this. And I think theater is a good way to do that.
2: Yeah. And I think like theater Mm -hmm. happens in real time, Mm -hmm. you know, because each night is different. And as we, as actors get to feed off the audience and the audience kind of, you know, gets to be in a room together with other people. And I think that itself is kind of interesting to go and watch a show that tackles the taboo, subject of sex with other people mm. like I think audiences yeah
0: do you and know, know what I mean like yeah. if
2: you, it's for us if I if an uncle comes and I'm going to a show with my uncle oh my god and they're you know <laughs> oh my god hold
0: up oh my god uncle oh my god uncle <laughs> stop uncle like we can't hit pause on this titanic scene yeah <laughs> and also I think the set plays a huge role in this because our set is such an intimate set um we probably shouldn't get into details about the Actual, but it's na-
2: it's naturalistic.
0: It's very naturalistic. And cool. it will almost feel like you're part of this experience with us. I love yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Are you nervous at all about those uncles and aunties coming to see the play?
2: Yes, but I kind of love that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think it's, um, it's a conversation starter. Like, this play is a big conversation starter. And if they come in um, thinking, oh, it's just going to be a cute little play, and then they leave... And then they actually talk to their wife, who is that auntie. I think, you know, that's, like, a great goal or a great just joy that we could be a part of because it's, um I don't know, it's important. It's yeah. important for that uncle to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to something that was said earlier, like, the notion of collective tackling of taboos is really beautiful. You know, it's really hard to tackle taboos on your own. Yes. It's really hard to tackle difficult conversations on your own. Yeah. But as a collective, as an audience doing it
2: side-by-side. Side-by-side.
1: That's a really beautiful, powerful thing, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of like an uh, an art form in itself. Um, And in a way, it has the opportunity to bring the community closer together rather than um, everyone kind of be separate about their own opinions. Like, after the show, you can talk about it and you can share what you liked or what you didn't like. And that um, is a way of being more stronger as a community, I think. Shame is something that
1: we're... Yeah. Yeah. Shame is something that we feel because we're left in isolation. We think we're the only ones who feel this way, right? Yeah, that's but right. But actually, a, as a collective, we, so many of us have these questions about sex and love and connection.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And then you can find the answer or the validation in another person and then leave feeling better about yourself. Oh, my God. Yeah,
0: So true. Like, with the same um, way, like line of thought, I think I'm expecting to see a lot of Rishabs in the audience um, and yeah it would be great if i'm actually really i'm not nervous about it at all i'm really excited that there's going to be rishabs in the audience and they're going to see a fellow rishab tackle these issues and and maybe you know take something out of it and be like oh you know yeah maybe maybe i should do this maybe i should try this maybe i should listen to my partner maybe i should etc 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 but i I think it's not
1: just the rishabs it's also the jeffs and the Oh, yeah. The Davids, right? Absolutely. Honestly, like, I I listen to this and I go, you know, in Kiwi culture, Mm. there's a sort of stoical attitude towards sex Mm. that I think isn't that dissimilar, funnily enough, you know? It manifests in different ways, but it's just as, you know, it's a play about toxic masculinity, right? As much as anything else. Yes, that's And that permeates in not just Eastern, but also Western cultures. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Yeah.
2: And it's also, I guess, from Ishita's perspective, it's um, about her journey of self-discovery and self-realization. And and <clears throat> a lot of times, women in marriages put their worth towards a man, the man that they're in the relationship with. And this is nice to see her journey. And she's fighting for her life in this play. She's not just fighting for love and you know connection with Rishabh. She's fighting for her life. And a lot of women... Feel that way in in marriages, and I know especially in South Asian communities, but you know across the cultures. Um, so absolutely, f-
1: absolutely. Yeah, and so yeah. to
2: see that journey, I think it will be really powerful.
1: A- I read a very early draft of this play back in back in the day, but uh, the immediate play that it sort of conjured in my imagination historically was Ibsen's A Doll's House. You know, it's this really quintessential play about, I guess, female independence and what it means to be a, a woman with agency when you're stuck in a marriage that isn't what you thought it would be
2: yeah because for a lot of time people sell us the dream Mm. and society sells us the dream and then we have to kind of figure it out on our own and um that realization is a really powerful thing um and it's interesting to see like when i first read it i thought 2021 surely but then i thought about it again and i said yeah a lot of women feel this way about themselves and about relationships, so it's still very relevant. I think so. Yeah.
1: Well, a few last questions, but I love how the play is disrupting traditional ideas and you know inviting disruptive conversations within the audience. Do you see yourselves as actively seeking to disrupt through your artistic practice? Yes.
2: No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, hey, you
1: you don't have to be so humble. I mean, I've seen your work, Jamishka. I've seen you as a performer and a maker, you know. That's something you're constantly doing, and I find that very exciting, whether it's through, like, the migrant zen collective Mm. or coming on board for my own thing. Dirty passports. Dirty passports, hey. Yeah,
2: plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. (laughs) (laughs) But I think... um, Because of, I mean, this kind of relates to the Kama Sutra stories, uh, Chronicles, because the culture that I, you know, was raised by, I think for me, there's like a need to be rebellious and a need to be disruptive um, in order to get my opinion across. Um, And that can be confronting and that can be a risk to take, but um, I think it's also important to see like different art In in the South Asian community rather than just always mainstream, kind of palatable shit.
1: (laughs) So you're saying this play isn't palatable? Are you saying we might gag? You might gag, gasp. uh, You'll definitely gasp.
2: (laughs) You'll hold on to the...
1: (laughs) And I know for you, Dev, that this play, the the disruptive nature of it wasn't the draw point. But do you think coming away from it after this is over that you'll be drawn to more disruptive practices?
0: Um, I don't know if I would use the term disruptive. I think the main intention is to be real and honest, not just with yourself but with... But with I think that you.
1: is disruptive because yeah. authenticity is such That's a what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, a lot of us um, live in our own illusions and I think being real yeah, is disruptive. Like, you just... <laughs> Said, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the main thing. I think any art, as long as it comes from a place of authenticity and genuine um, intention, uh, has the potential to be disruptive.
1: I'm really excited to see what, how this show manifests. And I think audiences will be really surprised by the conversations that they might end up having because of it.
2: Yeah, I hope so. Cool. One yeah. can only hope.
1: Yeah, wow. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Disruptors. We want to say a massive thank you to RE News, our collaborators Kate Orgis and Joel Moholland from Assembly Point and the Basement Theatre team. Most importantly, thank you to our speakers, Jamishka and Dev. Make sure you check out the Chemistry Chronicles at Basement Theatre from 24 to the 28th of August. Tickets are available at basementtheatre.co.nz. My name is Nathan Joe. You can find all episodes of Disruptors on all podcast platforms. Thank you. Kakite.